My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me as guest is Jonathan Wolf, who is the managing director of the American Film Market. Thank you for joining me, Jonathan. Happy to be here. Good afternoon. Thanks. And you took time off on your Sunday. What would you normally be doing on a Sunday? There'd be a couch, a remote control, and a big television involved. Oh, sweet. That sounds really good. Let's go do that. Let's just put that on. Okay. I, pa- I paused. <laughs> I'll be going back to it when we're done. Okay. All right. Are you a, are you a sports fan? Are you a catch-up-on-binge-watching fan? Football and auto racing. Football and auto racing. So we will have to be talking movies okay. because guess what I don't know about? football and auto racing, so we're going to have to move on. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about the American film market. You have probably heard about it, but you may not know how amazing it is, so let me fill you in a little bit. The American film market is the world's largest motion picture business event. Over 8,000 industry leaders converge in Santa Monica for eight days of deal-making, screenings, conferences, networks, and parties. Participants come from (laughs) more than 80 countries and include acquisition and development executives, agents, attorneys, directors, distributors, festival directors, financiers, film commissioners, producers, writers, the world's press, all those who provide service to the motion picture industry. Do I have that correct? You read it perfectly uh, from our PR what, what, materials. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? I have, I, uh, no, this was, this was right off the top of my head. I don't know what you're talking about. So, so uh, um, tell me how the AFM is different from like a, a film festival. Film festivals are cultural events for their communities. You could look at a film festival... A director like a museum curator, uh, picking works of art for the community to see for a short period of time that they may not otherwise have access to. There are four or 5,000 film festivals around the world. Wow. There are more than 50 film festivals in L.A. County alone. Um, markets, film markets, are essentially trade shows. There is no gatekeeper. We'll screen around 400 films, and my staff won't see any of them before we screen them. Um, And film markets are open to everyone. There are three major film markets in the world. Um, There's the AFM, if we're going to do this alphabetically, um, in November in Santa Monica. There's the European film market, which is held concurrently with the Berlin Film Festival in Berlin in February. And there is the Cannes Film Market, of course, held with the Cannes Film Festival um, in May. Uh, There's also a smaller market in Hong Kong in, in March. But these three markets... Uh, are very similar. There are some differences in terms of the films that may be there and some of the participants. But in terms of access, they're all the same. Anybody can come. Anybody can screen film. Anybody can have a credential. Anybody can reach the marketplace. And that's what film markets are really about. It's the wholesale side of the business, um, moving films from creation into distribution and ultimately onto screens of, of every size around the world. So... 
So what is the, if you were going to say sort of the, the average participant, the person who's coming there to, to make a deal, what is that person well, usually like groups. that? Well, there are actually okay. three um, or four. Um, the core of the show is about distribution companies and sales companies, um, whether it's Lionsgate or the Weinstein Company or Troma. Uh, with Sergeant Kabuki Man 2. Uh, it's about companies like that, and there are about 350 of them, bringing films into the marketplace. Uh, and then the second group are the buyers, international buyers from about 80 countries that are looking to acquire rights to those films. Sometimes it's just the Blu-ray rights for, for Japan or the theatrical rights for Argentina looking to acquire rights for those films. Then the third group, you have uh, primarily producers, um, individuals and sometimes production companies uh, with scripts and packages looking to connect with these sales companies so that the sales companies will have enough interest to want to take their project to the next market. And then you have what I call the rest of the industry, production facilities and film commissioners and lawyers and bankers and agents and all of those who just see um, a thousand decision makers under one roof for one, a week and realize that it's a tremendous opportunity for them um, to reach prospective clients. And when I say producers in the earlier group, it really is producers and writers. And I know that, that a lot of your audience are writers. You bet. And frequently... It's writers connected to a producer or writers who, who plan to produce their first film with their package um, looking to connect with those who really can help get it financed and, and brought forward. So in this case, script is incredibly important, right? Because that's what they're bringing to the table. They're not often bringing a, an it, actual produced movie. It all starts with the story. I mentioned, I mentioned the, um, the sales companies, again, like Lionsgate, Weinstein, Troma, Troma and 350 others. Um, more than half the business that they do at the American film market will be done on films that have not started shooting yet. We estimate about a billion dollars in business will be closed in the seven days of the AFM. And half of that, that means half a billion dollars in closed deals on films that have not started shooting. Wow. And the concept of that, if you just start to think about it, is, is amazing. And, and I still find it amazing. I've been doing this for a long time. And so the writers who are there are looking for companies who know how to get a film packaged, know the right types of production subsidies that might come forward, know where there may be some equity, know where they can pre-sell the film, know how they can get that film packaged. Um, And so the idea, the goal of the writer or the writer-producer is to connect with, with one of these companies and hope that that company will then shepherd their film into the process of getting funded and ultimately greenlit. So you said writer-producer, and so if you're a writer and you're looking for this kind of thing, you have to quickly put on a producing hat. You, Like you said, you're looking for these people who could do these things, but you better have to have a knowledge of subsidies and, and locations and packaging yourself in order to speak the same language, yes? Let me take a moment and give you my definition of a producer, if I can, because it may help the writer decide where they fit. Sure. And for me... There's really three types of producers. Um, there's the creative producer, uh, the person that really understands story development, how to connect with the audience. Um, the, the old-fashioned Hollywood producer that would like lock the writer in the attic for a week and say, you can't come down till I have the next draft. They just have the total passion for that story. Then you have the salesman producer. 
They can walk the walk, talk the talk. They know where the production subsidies are. They know who to talk to, which studio, who's looking for what kind of project. They could sell anything. They just happen to be selling film. Then you have what we call the, the general contractor, the line producer. The money is there, the great story is there, and then this person knows how to get the film made. They know how to, how to work with location scouts, how to work with unions, how to work with the budgeting process, and how to assure that that film is brought in on time and on budget. So you have the creator producer, the salesman producer, the, uh, the uh, line producer. Uh, I have met many, many experts in each of those. I have met very few who are an expert in two of those. Mm -hmm. I have never met anyone who is an expert in all three. And sometimes one of the greatest failings of a producer is to fall victim of what I call the theory of transferable expertise. I am an expert in one thing, and therefore I am an expert in all things. I am the producer that came up with the story. I'm the only one that can sell it. I'm the only one that can look over the director's shoulder. I want to be in there and change the blocking on scenes, and I'm going to cut the trailer. Um, And so when it comes to the writer, and back to the original question, uh, the writer has to decide if they're going to put on a producer hat, which one of those hats are they putting on. And most writers will immediately say, I'm the creative producer. When I meet with, with, with um, first-time producers, when they come to the AFM, we'll do some orientations, and I'll ask people to raise their hand, how many are creative producers? After giving this definition, 80 and 85% of the room will say that. Line producer, about another 10% of the room. Then you'll have your three or four people who will say, I'm a sales producer. Ultimately, those people who understand the sales process are the ones that frequently have the longest careers. And so the goal of the writer-producer, who is the right of creative producer, I believe one of the key goals of the AFM is find that producing partner. Find the person that can help them sell that film. Um, An analogy sometimes I have is if you've been working on the script for 10 years, it's like your firstborn child. Um, you feel you need to walk that child into first grade, sit down with them neck on the, the front row, and then tell the teacher how to speak to your child. If you're madly, deeply in love with your child, don't try and sell the film yourself. You'll only convince others how much you love it, but you won't have the skill to connect with your prospect and show them how they can benefit from being connected to that film. So... The creative producer really needs to find that salesperson uh, to partner with. Would, would you suggest, I mean, ideal, ideally to have somebody else by your side who could act like even line producer to then say, okay, I've got the nuts and bolts person here. I've got, I'm the creative producer. We need you on the sales end. Sometimes the line producers um, are, are, for the most part, looking for work. Mm. Like a cinematographer or a set designer, they, they know the right players. When people put together a project, sometimes one line producer will be brought in for a film that's shot at one budget level or one location, and a different line producer brought in for something else, you know, depending on, on the, the, those who are financing the film and the skill sets they're looking for. Line producers don't tend to have a lot of success at the AFM. And we don't advise that, that they come there the same way we wouldn't advise um, cinematographers and set designers to be there, or actors. It isn't a place to look for work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a place to get projects set, um, build relationships. And so that, that creative producer 
Now, of course, they, they can come to the pitch conference, which is going to have a yes. host named. <laughs> <laughs> I will be hosting the pitch conference this year. I'm honored to do so. We're glad you're going to be there. And, <laughs> and you know, a lot of times the pitch conference is for those creative producers who just say, I can't find a salesman producer, and I'm not going to wait forever to do that. I've got to take this on on my own and try and hone my sales skills and at least on this project get that get that far. And so sometimes that, that works. Uh, the, the key thing is, as you may talk about at the pitch conference, is it's not how much you love the film or this is a great story. It's really getting into it, connecting with your audience and understanding how they're, they're going to benefit because ultimately this film is a business. And everyone listening is trying to understand how they can prosper by being connected with that project. And, and so this, this idea of pitching, right? I mean, you're, you're not handing over the script and saying, hey, could you just read this for an hour and a half and then we come back and talk about it? People have to, if you are somebody who's saying, I need the salespeople on my side, I need help packaging this, I need all this, here I have to pitch to you what that story is about. So at the AFM, these pitches are... High stakes is the only way I can think about it, you know, because you really are asking people, you know, to get behind you financially uh, on these things. So your your pitch right. has to be sparkling. It it has to be good enough to get to the next step. The inexperienced salesperson, inexperienced pitcher, is hoping, uh, and I'm exaggerating a little bit. I'm going to do a pitch, and someone's going to say, "I want to make that film." Mm-hmm. The experienced salesperson knows. This is a multi-multi-step process. The purpose of my pitch is to get to the next step. And frequently the purpose of the pitch is to get a decision maker to agree to read the script. Right. The pitch is trying to get an, uh, an hour and a half or two hour reading commitment from a decision maker. And so that's, that's the next step. And so everything about the sales process is not about closing the deal and rushing to the finish line. It's about just getting to the next step. And, and that's, I'm sure, a lot of what will be talked about uh, at the pitch conference. Yes, yes, okay. of course. Um, and just, just to sort of let people uh, in on the pitch conference part of it, I'm going to be uh, talking up front about pitching. Um, then we're going to be opening it up to 20 lucky people who have already submitted video pitches and now get to submit, get to pitch in front of the crowd, but also to two very experienced producers and get feedback. It's not necessarily a competition in that moment, um, but I will be picking 20 of these candidates. So if you're at all, get at all interested, go to the AFM site. Um, and should they go to the, is there a, a separate pitch conference part? AmericanFilmMarket.com, mm-hmm. the attendee page, and there'll be a link for conferences. Awesome. Go there. And, um, and once you go to the pitch conference part of it, you'll see the directions for sending me a video pitch. And then maybe one of yours will be picked. And, uh, and I can see you there. End of commercial on that one. <laughs> you know, while we're talking about pitching, just um, um, one side note. I mentioned all of the, the distribution and sales companies who have offices. These companies are meeting with buyers from more than 80 countries, buying for all different cultures, all different languages, all different media. And more than half the business they're doing is on films that haven't been made yet. So when you stop and think about pitching, 
Um, these companies have meetings. These salespeople in these companies have meetings every 15 to 20 minutes, and they're pitching. They're pitching the same film, or maybe they have three or four, to a buyer from one country, then the buyer from the next country, then the buyer from the next country. The companies who have offices at the AFM who are selling film internationally are the most experienced and best pitchers in the world because they do this for a living. They are, uh, they'll have 100 to 150 meetings, and all they're doing is pitching, and the majority of these pitches are in films that can't be seen. They're either in pre-production, maybe being shot at the moment, but it's all about the pitch. And listening to some of them uh, is fascinating, but also when they're done at the market, um, they're back to spending the rest of their time uh, running their company, depending on the size of the company. They may also wear the acquisition hat. So sometimes you're pitching a professional pitcher. Sometimes you're pitching a head of acquisition. If it's a small company and the principal is involved in all steps, um, they're both selling film at the FM and looking for acquisition. If it's a larger company, whether it's uh, I Am Global, Sierra Affinity, Lionsgate, then they'll have dedicated executives for acquisition. But it's a fascinating process as you look at this to understand that there are probably four or 500 people in our industry whose full-time profession is pitching films. Uh, and they are really, really good at it. Now, have you ever been on a fly on the wall during the pitching process? I realize you are running the whole show, so you're probably... I've, I've seen it multiple times. And that what's fascinating is um, the pitchers are chameleons, which most salespeople can be. But also the pitch changes. Uh, for one country, it's a comedy. For another country, it's an action-adventure. You know, Woody Allen is a superstar in France and can't get arrested in Germany. You know, so what element of the film do you bring forward? Um, a lot of times when you see artwork and posters for films, the designers have come up with many comps. It's normal. Let's see 20, 25 comps. Then let's you know, bring another maybe five of those to an almost finished state, then pick one they will start to show multiple comps to their buyers so their buyers can choose different art that may work in their country. And so even in a meeting, they may pull out one comp for one buyer just to say, by the way, this is how you'd sell it. And then the next buyer comes in and that comp is quickly put away and one with a different, a different look or, or feel has, uh, is brought out. How do you do... Is there a resource that you could point people listening to that might help educate people in these different markets? Or is that one reason to come to AFM to sort of get a, a sense of what everybody's looking well, for? Well, the one thing you should do, whether you come to the AFM or not, on our website, it's AmericanFilmMarket.com, and then click on the attendee page. There's a page that's called How to Work the AFM. You could probably Google How to Work the AFM and get straight to it as well. And it's eight or nine steps targeting the producer or the writer-producer of how one would approach it. Um, and this can work for Cannes, it can work for Berlin, but it also is, is a good um, um, understanding just in general of how to approach companies, which starts with doing your homework, understanding what companies you should pitch. The, the experienced salesperson wants to qualify their prospect. They don't want to waste time pitching somebody who, who isn't qualified. But constantly, I will go through offices at the AFM talk to interns and tell me how producers have been pitching them. And then you immediately know these are inexperienced producers who don't even ask what the role is of the person that's standing behind the counter taking messages. 
And, and so it's, it's important to understand that process. And one of the things that we show on the website and the multi-step, which is to really you know, vet the people you want to talk to. Match your film to companies that are most likely to have an interest in it, whether it's language, genre, budget, where they're located, and, and to hone in on a target list. Then get to know that company. Get to know who the acquisition executives are. Uh, get to you know, know their names. It's funny how some producers will walk in and say, can I meet with your head of acquisitions, whoever he or she is? Not even willing to take the time to do the homework. Um, and so it's just so important. Film is like no other industry. Those who work hard at it, really hard at it, succeed. Now, at AFM, um, are appointments made and meetings set, or is this something of akin to uh, an open pitch fest where people can walk in and, and just um, meet? It's and more important um, at the AFM, it's most important at the AFM, to have meetings set if you can. Um, most of the companies will have most of their calendar filled for the first few days. Now, their interest in the first few days is not meeting and hearing pitches. Our advice to producers and writers is um, there really isn't a need, if you, unless you have a finished film, there isn't a need to show up until the fourth day, um, which is Saturday. And our creden- price of our credentials actually drops significantly on the fourth day. Because the first few days, these companies have preset meetings with all of their international uh, partners and, and prospects um, selling the packages that they've already set. It's only later in the second half of the market that their schedule's thin and they're willing to spend some time. Now, some companies have an open door and they want to hear from everybody. Others will say we're not hearing pitches at the AFM. It's, it's very different. Some will say we're not hearing pitches at the AFM and the charismatic salesman producer gets in and makes a pitch anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just depends. Uh, but it's very important to try and get meetings. Some will, some won't. Some companies will set meetings, some won't. Um, and then use the market, um, downtime in the market, to try and get additional meetings uh, to those that are set in advance. Now, um, you mentioned um, a package. You know, in addition to the verbal pitch, that there's often a package that the writer-producer has brought along. Um, what does that package uh, usually consist of? The most important thing is bring a business card or something that identifies you. Um, my feeling is less is best. Uh, the person who brings the big giant bag and wants to pull out everything and leave it all behind, um, they're just leaving behind a lot of crutches. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's your ability to sell your, your charisma and, and the underlying pitch, what the film is. So something about you, one sheet on the film, whether it's a half-page synopsis, along with whatever key elements you have, whether you know certain cast is committed, certain director, um, um, a background of yourself, who you are, if that's relevant to what, to what this is, um, a budget extract, if you have a sense of that, uh, if you know there are production subsidies that might come forward, where it might be shot, anything that helps them um, get a little bit more of a picture beyond the pitch and synopsis. Um, don't leave scripts behind without consulting with a lawyer. And do not bring any document that proves anything. Um, so often I see inexperienced producers walking around with photocopies of letters from an actor that says, 
dear producer, I'm very interested in your project, and if you get it financed, please let me know. I'd like to talk, or, or things like that. And they're leaving these you know, things behind, like leaflets. Um, you don't need that. It's, a, it's it, almost trying too hard. If, if you yes. say, oh, I have a commitment from so-and-so, and it's just part of your pitch, it just right. adds a little element to it, and then you get back to yeah, what it's there about. There is a difference between commitment and interest. Mm. Yes. Commitment means somebody is actually signed to do it. Mm-hmm. Everything else is just interest. And so it's very, very unlikely that anyone is walking through with um, the word commitment. Now, something may say attached, i.e. the writer says, I'm going to be the director. And the film will never get made without me directing. So you might as well put down there, attached as director. Mm. Um, and this is the case sometimes. You know, How wise is that? I, I have my, well, my feelings about that. But. It depends on your mission. If your mission is to be a writer, it's a mistake. If you're writing for the sole purpose of being able to direct your first film, and that's where you are headed, and that's where your heart is, then you have to, I feel, stick, stick to that. Do you, should, should you have a reel at the ready, if that's the case? Uh, as director, yeah, I don't. I'm not experienced enough to tell you what financiers are willing to stand behind when it comes to a first-time director. Other than everybody gets skittish <laughs> when it comes to a first-time director, um, it's easier for a first-time director to get a gig on something that on a film that is not dependent on the execution. Now, what I mean by that is I'll use well, two examples. Uh, and, and it wouldn't apply to the first-time director, but if you're coming forward with an action-adventure the same way uh, um, um, New Image would come with Expendables 4, um, no one really needs to know who the director is. Uh, you get the idea, you know what the first three have been. If you come forward with a package and say it's going to be shot in the manner of, and it's an action-adventure, and everybody sort of gets it. Um, there's... there's um, uh, a, a greater sense of ease that, that this director can't screw up too much. Then if you come st- using the other uh, side of the coin, um, your story is more like Brokeback Mountain, mm-hmm. um, um, where everybody may love the story, you may even have some great actors, but the, f- the success or failure of the film is all based on the ed- execution. And it always seems that first-time directors want to go the U.S.-based adult drama or coming of age Sundance kind of story which um, are, are heavily um, dependent on great execution and maybe not always the best way for a director to get out of the box on a first start that taking something that's less dependent on the execution but again that's just a personal feeling um, on how to get work. Now I know this is, this is a question that I'm sure you're asked, so I'm going to ask it, but I'm also not sure that you can actually answer. And it's that question of, what's everybody looking for this year? Um, <laughs> are you getting any sense of trends, or do you ever get a sense of trends at these kind of things? No, the only thing that we see is whatever the studios are doing, do something different. The studios, historically, over the decades, have left voids in the marketplace. I mean, today they're focused on hundred plus million dollars, it's got to be a Marvel character or something else. Whatever the studios are doing, head the other direction. Oh, interesting. Got it. And historically that, and that's where the independents operate. And that's really what, what we're talking about. And, and in fact, 
maybe that's worth just a moment to talk about the word independent. Yeah. Um, the AFM is all about independent film. And independent is, simply means separate from the studios, where more than half the risk is taken by a source other than one of the major studios. Independent doesn't mean low-budget, quirky, auteur's vision, or my favorite, you'll know it when you see it. <laughs> um, so independent can be a $100 million film, and independent can be a $100,000 film. Um, and a lot of people don't quite understand that. And I'll get, uh, let me take another example. It's slightly dated, but, but it, it was a real light bulb for me. Um, about 10 years ago or so, um, at the Spirit Awards, which are done by Film Independent, who does not believe in the definition I just covered. Um, they have a different religion, if you will. <laughs> um, uh, the best picture, best independent film, went to a film that was developed financed and distributed worldwide by 20th Century Fox called Sideways. Huh. Why? Because it was done by Fox's art house division and the Spirit Awards wanting to keep the major studios and their funding and buying of tables at events and things like that in the fold gerrymandered their de definition to include films by the studios as long as they were under certain budgets. The following day at the Academy Awards, the best picture went to a film that was financed, produced, and distributed worldwide by Lakeshore Entertainment, an independent company, that didn't qualify for the Spirit Awards. That film was called Million Dollar Baby. Oh, my goodness. And so uh, that juxtaposition of those two, um, for me, explains, you know, helps illustrate, I think, a lot uh, the difference. You'll, you'll find the definitions that Sundance and the Film, in, uh, film Independent use for the Spirit Awards. Um, one that... Um, embraces the studio art house divisions because they need to have those companies involved to help support their nonprofits. But if you looked at any other industry, let's say you looked at the uh, home improvement industry, and Home Depot came into Westwood Village and opened up a 1,000 square foot little tiny hardware store and called it Home Depot Light, an independent hardware store, <laughs> and then went to join the Independent Hardware Store Association. Everybody would just laugh them out of the room. But when Fox comes along with Fox Searchlight or Sony Sony Classics, or my favorite, it's finally closed, Warner Independent, mm -hmm. um, an independent company, in all cases, these, these companies, the major studios own the copyright and perpetuity uh, to these films. They're just, they make great films. They're art house divisions or specialty divisions, however you want to brand them. They're just not independent. The word independent means simply independent from the studios. And what happens at the AFM is all about independent film globally, not just the U.S. We have films from 40 or 50 countries that are screening and being sold and packages from all over the world, as well as probably, you know, half, of, half is, is from the U.S., but at all budget ranges. It is very common to see $40, 50000000 million independent films uh, being sold or screened at the AFM. They are all independent from studios. That is a very interesting definition. Thank you. Thanks. I'm learning a well, lot. I'll, I'll step off the soapbox no. now. It's where I live. No. <laughs> you, you actually, um, in addition to the pitch conference, um, have a conference on uh, China. 
Um, and you yes. had this last year as well, right? Right. Um, so uh, pitching. So this is what the Chinese market is looking for: do's and don'ts, things like that. No, we we wanted to do it a little bit differently. It seems China is the flavor of the week, month, and in every industry everybody's talking about. It. And most of the conferences that we've seen are all about co-producing, um, or essentially, how can you get money out of China? <laughs> and and that's first of all, there are very few people who are doing that, and. And it's just, it's been talked about too much. Um, ours are more about what it's like to work in China. So the first session is producing in China, where I believe um, all the speakers will be from mainland China, and they will be heads of companies or producers, um, and they'll be talking about everything from customs and cultures and sensors and unions, um, what you need to know to work on the ground producing. And the second session is about marketing and distributing in China. Um, what the windows are, again, what sensors are looking for, what restrictions there are, access to screens. But it's actually about being on the ground uh, there. And so for anyone that might feel that, that working with China in some way could be part of their future, um, it, it's an in interesting couple of sessions. So we've got pitching... China. What else do we have in the conferences? We have that, that two you're... conferences on finance. Okay. Because, of course, finance is what's most important to most who want to make film. Uh, one of them really is, is about the big picture. It's about equity and macro changes that are happening all over the world, and that'll be on day three of the AFM. And then on day five, um, we switch to really focusing on um, financing single pictures what it takes, what the packages are that, that are necessary, the elements you need to bring in to get single pictures financed. So you could, you could go to the AFM, not really pitch to anybody specifically or take a meeting, and still learn a hell of a lot. We hope so. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, someone once said uh, to me, um, the AF, understand the AFM is really simple. You're either at the AFM or you're in the audience. And I appreciated that, that statement. Well, we've designed it so that, that, that those who aren't buying and selling, um, those who don't have an office at the AFM or, or a territorial buyer from around the world, can spend their mornings at the conference, their afternoons at the market having meetings, and then the evenings for social activities. It's really key just to continue to, to network. Ours is a, a collaborative art and business like no other and just constantly connecting, it's so important. Well, I, I have to say, you know, if people are listening going, well, this sounds like a big commercial for the AFM. Sure. Here's, here's the deal. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm, this is going to be my first year uh, being involved with the AFM, and the more I learn, the more excited I get, which is why I am genuinely uh, sort of having Jonathan here giving you this information, because... I wanted to know more. It really does sound like a cool thing. I've heard about it over the years. I've even met clients over there over the years, but didn't get kind of a, the big picture that I'm getting now. So I do hope that people go, um, if only to learn, like I'm learning. Um, and I really, really appreciate you coming on to the show. This Happy is great. Can you believe 40 minutes went by already? It's like that, right? Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, um, is there anything else that you would like to add about, about AFM that maybe we haven't talked about well, that people should know? Keeping in mind that producers are entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, they are creating businesses for a short period of time, and they have all the headaches and challenges of an entrepreneur. Those who put on that pure producer hat need to understand that that's what they're going to do. And if that's what they're best suited for, terrific. If not, again, bring in bringing those partners. 
And for AFM, it's about doing the homework. We have, for those who register, there's an online community where, where participants can meet in advance and be able to schedule meetings um, so you can look for writers uh, from France and do some search and find writers from France that you may want to meet, whether producers or others. But what AFM isn't, it isn't about a thousand people sitting on a bench saying, I have money to fund your film. Um, it's difficult to find financing. Um, it's all based on the marketplace. The AFM is about the commerce. It's not about culture. Um, it's not about passion projects. It's about the passion of the audience and what they want to see. The AFM, first and foremost, faces the audience. And what happens at the AFM reflects globally what audience taste is. And so we have some producers that will go with no package and go door-to-door, meet with people, and simply say, what's working? Hmm. What's working? I want to pull films together, and at the AFM you can find out what's working. You asked me a little while ago, you know, what's new? What's everybody doing? I don't know, but I can tell you there are many that come to the market just for the process of getting marketplace, purpose of getting marketplace intelligence, going room to room, what actors are working, what our actors aren't. This, it's a great place to go to school. It isn't just a place to come pitch. Some who pitch great, get great meetings, have success. You know, others don't. It's the, just the, the nature of the jungle out there. Uh, but the education process is available to all. And consider the pitch conference an education process too. So even if you're not, you you're not pitching at the AFM, you can submit a video pitch to me. And then if I pick you, you will get this opportunity to pitch in front of these producers. And all of that is great school for you uh, in the act of actually doing. It's interesting watching the pitch conference. The majority of those who go to the pitch conference do not want to go on stage. I would say that maybe a third want to go on stage. The other two-thirds would never share their film and their idea in front of an open audience. But what they're doing is they've got their laptops, or they've got their iPads, and they're taking copious notes mm-hmm. from the panelists on what worked with the pitch. Now, one of the things about that pitch conference is it isn't critiquing the, pro- the, the project. It's critiquing the pitcher's ability to pitch. And so you have many in the audience, more in this conference than in in any of others, taking notes on how to pitch, what to do, things like lead with genre, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And so that's... That's the fascinating part when I see so many stand in the back, see so many screens that are opened up on people's laps. Well, I'm excited. Thank you. We are and too. Um, and so, so maybe some of the people who are listening will see you at AFM. Maybe I'll see you at one of these parties. What are these? <laughs> these sound like good parties. Everyone who comes to the market is invited to at least one. Awesome. Okay, so so in addition to bringing your good idea and your good pitching skills and your open ears so that you can learn a lot of stuff, bring some aspirin because it could be it could be a fun time. Or Tylenol. Or Tylenol. Or ibuprofen. Ibuprofen. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever your little packages of, of hangover remedies bring them. Um, thank you again, Jonathan. Happy to be here. Thanks. Let's tell everybody one more time where to go to. So, so Very that... easy. AmericanFilmMarket.com Awesome. And as you guys know, go to OnThePage.tv see what's happening here at the studio. It just so happens that the very next weekend from AFM is my rewrite weekend here in Los Angeles at the studio. So, people from out of town... This is what you do, okay? You come to town, you go to the AFM, then you spend a week, nah, not even. You spend like four or five days at the beach, then you come to a rewrite weekend, and it's, it, you'll have a great vacation. Was that, does that sound good? 
Perfect. Rewrite Rewrite weekend. (laughs) Well, AFM ends on Tuesday, Tuesday night, so there's only three days. That's right. Three days at the beach. Watch the the election results with everybody on Tuesday night. Oh, Um, oh, yeah. Have a three-day break or hangover. Right. Um, And then then come on over, you know, and we'll spend two days really going through every possible element that you can in your project. This could be for TV. It could be for feature. It can even be for web. And you will get some great rewrite techniques for two days. You do not have to have a completed draft. Remember that. You can even just have an outline. You are going to learn something. I promise. If you need a hotel nearby, I can uh, I can recommend one. So just go to onthepage.tv, sign up there, or email me directly at pilar, P-I-L-A-R, at onthepage.tv if you have any questions. I think that's it. Cool. Great. So, Jonathan, I'll see you at the, at the American Film Market. Perfect. Back to football now. <laughs> I'll see you guys, too. Have a good writing week. Thank you.